you breathe. Boy, I tell you what, if that doesn't get your blood flowing, mm, that adrenaline running. For the past month and a half, I have strongly emphasized the nature of the church, what the church does, who we are, what the Lord expects of us. And along those lines, we have tried to build the foundation of an understanding of who and what we are and what we're all about by having our home Bible studies in addition to our church Bible studies. We've had experiencing God, and now, right now, we're into purpose-driven life. So we are all about the church. Today, I want to cast that vision and kind of bring it all together and summarize everything that we've done basically for the past year. Proverbs 29:18 puts it this way in the King James Version, where there is no vision, the people perish. The NIV says, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. The message paraphrases it this way. If people cannot see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what He reveals, they are most blessed. You know, there was a kind of a sad time in the time of Eli and Samuel. Samuel was this young fellow born to Hannah who had been given to Eli to raise in the temple to train up as a priest. And as a young boy, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 3, 1, In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. The one thing about visions, though, is that if they are only visions and are not followed through with action, they really aren't worth a whole lot. Thomas Edison put it this way, vision without execution is hallucination. Well, I tell you what, I can't help but like that. So there are three things that I want to leave you with this morning. Upreach, outreach, and inreach. Okay, this is what we're all about. This is who we are as a congregation. This is what the Lord has instructed us to be, to do, to experience. Upreach. This is our worship. We spoke about that last week, about What worship is all about, it is not just lifting the eyes or the hands, it's lifting the heart to the Lord in praise and adoration. We we learn worship by really looking at the Psalms. The Bible says that God felt that David was after his heart. And this is who we want to reflect or mirror in our own lives is, is that worship attitude of David, that he talks about how wonderful, how great God is, how he surpasses everything, and the, and the names that he attributes to God, my rock, my salvation, a strong tower, and on and on. We see where this shepherd boy is out in the field, and he reflects on the stars and the sun and the moon. When I consider the, the, the stars, the world, the things that thy hands have created, O Lord. I ask, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Worship 
is the understanding that we have a creator God and we are created. We have a potter and we are simply the clay. It is the understanding that God is the first and the last word on every one of us, on all of creation. So we worship Him. We grow deeply in love with God and with His Son, Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more that I'm into the Word of God and the more that I fellowship with godly people, the more in love with Jesus Christ I become. What He has done, His provision, His promise, His person has always given me a thrill. I like what Anne Graham Lott says about him in her book on Just Give Me Jesus. She says, He had no predecessor and he will have no successor. He is the lion and he is the lamb. He is God and he is man. He is the seven-way king. He is the king of the Jews. That's a racial king. He's the king of Israel. That's a national king. He is the king of righteousness. That's a moral king. He is the king of the ages. That is an eternal king. He is the king of heaven. That's a universal king. And he's the king of glory. That's a celestial king. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Just give me Jesus. He makes heaven available. Then she continues by saying, No means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his shoreless supply. No barrier can hinder him from pouring out his blessings. He forgives and he forgets. He creates and he cleanses. He restores and he rebuilds. He heals and he helps. He reconciles and he redeems. He comforts and he carries. He lifts and he loves. He is the God of the second chance the fat chance, the slim chance, and the no chance. Just give me Jesus. He makes change possible. Just give me Jesus. Well, we're not here at Trinity Baptist Church to promote anyone or anything other than Jesus Christ. That's who we promote. That's who. That's why we're here. He is the object of our worship. He is the object of our life, abundant and eternal. He is the source of everything that we are. So just give us Jesus. We are here to rediscover this passion of Jesus by examining our own hearts in a matter of worship. We are here for the Lord Jesus Christ. Before there was a plan, there was a man, Jesus. You know, the question was asked, and we addressed it last week, what is the greatest commandment? And all of these litany of commandments and laws and rules and regulations and hyperbole about this and that and the other, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said there's two. The first and the greatest commandment, the first and the greatest commandment is thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind, and all thy soul, and all thy strength. That's the first. What is it? It's worshiping God. It's, it's putting ourselves in the, in the sandals of David and saying out on that hillside, 
Lord, when I look at, at, at creation, when I, when I see the sheep, when I look at the grass that you provided for them to eat, when I see the water, I'm at that point. We just sang about as the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants for thee, O Lord. Oh, my goodness gracious. Can you imagine? Just like a, a deer who, is, who has run from his, uh, the person, the animal that is pursuing him, and his throat is parched, and he's looking for something to quench his thirst. We have that, that parched attitude for those of us worshipers who truly seek the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It is upreach. It is worship. From the time that our feet hit the floor in the morning until the time that our head lays on the pillow at night, it is worship. It is understanding that God is God and He's in control of everything. It is worship of God. It is thanking Him. It is living an attitude of gratitude. It is living in such a way that we understand this, is, this life is not about my personal preferences. It's not about what I like, what I desire, what I want. When I enter these doors of this worship center, it's all about Jesus. It's about lifting Him up. It's about singing our praises to Him. It's about all of those wonderful things. It is all about Jesus. If you think it's about this church, or if you think it's about this pastor, or your Bible teachers, or anybody else, you've been in error. It is all about Jesus Christ. We are here at His behest. We are here to honor and to glorify Him. When we write our checks, when we do anything with any resources that we have, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Him today, yesterday, and forever. It's all about Jesus. Wow. At the name of Jesus one day, every knee shall bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wow. I'm going to tell you something. It's all about upreach. Everything else, all these other two things are a result of our upreach. Because I worship the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, there's outreach. We grow deeply in love with the Lord. We'll grow deeply in love with His people. What's the second great commandment? The second is just like it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Well, okay. Upon these two, Jesus said, hang all the law and the prophets. Everything is summarized in that. The entire Old Testament experience from Genesis through Malachi is rolled up in that, those two commandments. The Ten Commandments. First four, my relationship with God. Next six, my relationship with my fellow man. There it is. Jesus summarized it. How, how could He summarize it? He created it. He knows it. He's the one that revealed it to Moses. So here we are today, and we're in loving our neighbor, outreach. Now, I said this last week, and I'll probably say it a million more times. I hope you don't ever get tired of it because it's just as clear in the Scriptures as it can be. The Great Commission is not the Great Suggestion. It has never been intended to be a program. It's a passion, folks. There was no plan B when Jesus left this earth. He said, All power in heaven and on earth is given unto me. In the universe, everything, it's all given to me. And I'm giving it to you. 
Therefore, he said, as a result of that, go into all the world. Preach this gospel. Make disciples. Teach them to observe everything I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of this age. Well, there's no plan B. The angels were probably saying, so what if they don't do it? There's no plan B. They'll do it. Now, when he gave that plan, that great commission to the apostles, those that witnessed his resurrection and ascension into heaven, he gave that commission to them. And it was their responsibility to pass it down to the next generation. And so it's our responsibility. We have taken this baton. It's been passed on to us to share this good news of Jesus Christ with others. And it should be a passion with you and me. It's not a program. We don't have to recite some kind of, of track or, or law or something of this nature that we're looking at. It becomes very intimate and, every pers- and very personal with each and every one of us. Jesus said this, Acts 1.8, when he was telling the disciples, tarry ye or wait in Jerusalem. Just go to Jerusalem and wait there until you have been endued or empowered, clothed, enveloped, overwhelmed by power from on high, the Holy Spirit. And when he comes upon you, you will be witnesses. Not not a suggestion, but this is something he's saying will happen. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you will be witnesses. Now, that word witness is the word martyros, which is the word martyr that comes from. In other words, you're going to give your life to make sure that what I've told you and what you have experienced is shared with everybody with whom you come in contact. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Then he ascended. Last words. Plan A. And the disciples had their mouth open watching him ascend, and they were thinking, what's plan B? And then two angels came and said, why is your mouth standing open, gazing into heaven? What did he say to do? Um, go to Jerusalem? Yep. And what? Wait for the Holy Spirit? And then what? Then I'll be witnesses. And the gospel spread like wildfire. 3,000 on the day that Peter preached there in Jerusalem came to know the Lord Jesus Christ and were baptized. And then the Bible says daily they were being added to Him such as should be saved. Multiplication. Because it's outreach. Now, when you start a church anywhere in the world, they use the term, be missional. You know what that means? It means to understand the culture, understand the, the background, understand the context of the message that you're sharing. We need to be missional. We need to understand that there are 73% of these people in Sun City Center that aren't affiliated with any church at any time. So what does that do for us? we start thinking we've got three-quarters of this area that we can really go after and share the good news of Jesus Christ to them because they need it. Now, this outreach is these final instructions comes with two questions that we raised last week. Is our community thankful for our church? Would it Have we made any impact on our community at all for the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm not talking about programs and all these other things. Have we really impacted our community 
on behalf of Jesus Christ? Have we introduced them to Jesus Christ? Have we let them see who Christ is in us? Have we made a difference in the lives of these people? Well, Proverbs 11.11 says, Through the blessings of the upright, a city is exalted. In other words, it is through our changed lives that cities are literally transformed. There's that magnetic uh, personality that God gives those of us that have truly come to know Him. People begin to see a transformation in our lives. And as they see a transformation in our lives, it becomes quite attractive. It becomes magnetic. Jesus said, and I, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. Which means simply this, that as we begin to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and begin to share him with other people, they're going to see that transformation. They're going to see it real. And you say, but I don't know how to share Christ with anybody. I've never taken an a evangelistic course. I've, I don't know how to share these tracts. I don't know how to share these pamphlets. I don't know how to lay it out. Let me just tell you something. You lay it out the way that Jesus has impacted your life. That's all they need to hear. Tell them what Jesus has done for you. You don't have to know all the theological aspects of it. You don't have to know all the scriptural aspects of it. You just simply say, like the blind man, I don't know. All I can tell you is I was blind, but now I see. The lame man, I don't know. All I know is I was lame and now I walk. And let me tell you who's the reason why I walk. Let me introduce you to the man that came in and redeemed my soul. This man that transformed my life into what I was, into what I'm becoming. Let me tell you about this person, Jesus. They can't argue with your testimony. They'd like to, but they can't. And that's what you have, folks. And that's what outreach is all about. Why are we building this great foundation here at Trinity Baptist Church so that it can grow a big uh, building? Not a building, but a building comprised of people. The church is not the building. The church is you and me. And so we find this in our own lives. Well, those of you that are studying the purpose-driven life, Rick Warren says it this way. He says there are three, at least three reasons why a church should never stop growing. Number one, because God loves people. Second Peter 3, 9, the Lord is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but wants everyone to come to repentance. This is how it translates to you and me. I have come to realize through the Scripture that God loves all of us equally. He doesn't love you any more than He loves me. He doesn't love me any more than He loves you. Now, likewise, on that person that's out on the street, that person that's in the bar or whatever the case might be, God doesn't love me any greater than He loves them. He loves us all equally. Secondly, because God commands us to reach out. Luke 14, 23, God says, Go out into the country and urge, compel, exhort, admonish, whatever it takes, anyone you find to come in so that my house will be full. Does he like a packed house? What do you think? He says, compel them to come in so that my house may be full. 
John 17, 18, that wonderful pastoral prayer that Jesus prays. He prayed to the Father in the same way that you gave me a mission to the world, I give them a mission in the world in the same way. That's been passed down from the Son of God to you and to me. And then thirdly, because God's growth is God's will, Colossians 2.19, under Christ's control, the whole body is nourished and grows as God wants it to grow. Matthew 16.18, Jesus says, I will build my church. Then he added, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Whoa. We're in some good stuff, folks. And it's all directed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, not only is there upreach and there's outreach, there is inreach. The church is the family of God. It's like the earthly family for nurture and care and concern. We are the spiritual family that will be together for all eternity. We are simply a microcosm of the church worldwide. But here we are, and it is our responsibility to minister and serve to each one. Mary McCarty has started a few years ago, started the care groups in our adult Bible studies on Sunday morning. And what a blessing that's been. They are there to nurture those that are involved in, in small group Bible study. And they supposedly work with these people uh, when they're in the hospital, when they're having issues, when they're having problems. They do that. We have a deacon family ministry. You'll be a part of that, half of you, will be a part of the pizza lunch today. And it's, it's to help you understand that the deacons serve with the pastor. And we serve side by side. And when there are hospitalizations or illnesses or deaths or any of these other emergencies or situations that come up, they serve alongside the pastor in ministering. It is that servant's heart. The body of Christ has Jesus as the head. He's always the head, always has been, always will be. And it is the bride of Christ, Ephesians 5 calls it. Well, men, you wouldn't insult anybody else's bride. And I pray that none of us, men or women, does anything to bring damage, harm, disrepute to the bride of Christ, the church. It is His bride. This is not your church. It's not mine. It is His. It's not your bride. It's His. It's not your body. It's His. And He is the head. And so when we come in to worship, we understand that part of that worship in not only allowing my soul to soar in the presence of God, but it's the understanding that I need to be at His will to reach out to others around me to bring them into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ or, if they know Him, a deeper walk with Him. And that once they come into the family of God here, we begin to serve them. You see that image at the Last Supper, that last night that Jesus spent with the disciples. There He is, a basin of water, a towel, and began to wash the feet of the apostles. Peter didn't want it. He said, well, Lord, if you're going to wash my feet, wash all of me also. No, Jesus said that's not the deal because it's the household slaves that wash the feet of the guests that enter into the home. 
Jesus said, I don't think that I've come to be served, but to serve, to give my life a ransom for many. So here we are, slaves, servants to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That's what we do. We minister to one another. We're empathetic. We're sympathetic. We're interested and because we love the body of Christ. We love the bride of Christ. And we certainly love the head of the body, which is Jesus himself. First Peter 4.10 says, Each one should use whatever gift he has to serve others. To serve others. That's why we're here. Maybe you're here looking for a church family. You're still kind of floating around, hadn't made that decision. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, have you actually stepped up, made that step? Now, let me, let me put it this way. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Well, each step of decision precedes another step. God won't allow you to take step two until you've taken step one. Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Don't put step two in front of it until you do that. Number two, have you acknowledged Him publicly? Have you followed Him in baptism and or church membership? Maybe you're stuck on one of those steps and you just can't take that next step. When you begin to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, when He becomes preeminent in your life, you're going to gladly do what He asks you to do, whatever that might be. Whatever that might be. I don't know what it is in your life. I know what it is in mine. And I know how miserable I am until I complete that step in obedience. Well, you're here this morning, and we're going to give you an opportunity during this time of decision to come forward and make that decision public. Let's pray. Our most gracious Father, we love you. We thank you so much for this day, for the blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we know there are decisions being made even now. Thank you for these. And, Father, I just pray that they will become public in the moments ahead. Be with us, and may we honor and glorify you with these decisions. And thank you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand and sing the hymn of invitation. And I'll be here at the front to pray with you about any decision the Lord lays on your heart.